This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, one and all, and uh, welcome along to The Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin is in studio and uh, all set to rock and roll. Yes, huh? thank you, Frank. Good Deep. to be here. Yes, indeed. And what a day, what a difference a day makes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was just telling you, I took uh, my students, I teach a course called Nursery Operations, took my students to, on a field trip yesterday, uh-huh. to Kobe's Nursery, which is a wholesale uh, nursery, tree and shrub, vine, perennial grower in Bowmanville. Okay. And boy, it was a miserable field trip. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the favorite thing to do on a rotten old day like that. Well, huh? just because yeah. we were outside. And, yeah. and, you know, I sent out a message to them, you know, we're going to be outside, dress appropriately. But, of course, there's always the people going, duh, what do, you, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? So, you know, little bare ankles yeah. and shorts and they're standing around this freezing cold wind. But it was great. I was really, you know, thankful that Kobe's, uh and, and his staff were very welcoming and showed us around and, you know, explained how they do things. Because mm-hmm. all nurseries operate differently. So that's why it is great to get out there and sort of see see how they operate. Yeah. As a teacher, uh, how's the marketing going? Oh, boy. Oh my God. Piles, piles. <laughs> it's been a rather busy week. So, yeah. And actually, just to, to be perfectly honest, my other course I'm teaching at Durham is uh, Introduction to Soil Science. And I've got, there's 80 students, right? So I've got like oh my p- these piles to mark, right? Oh. So this week in the lab, I said, all right, I'm so overwhelmed with all this marking, we're going to do a lab and it's going to be a participation lab. <laughs> so you participate, you get marks. You don't participate, you don't. <laughs> Good for you. Well, so, got to find some way to cut the workload back. Absolutely. I mean, it's building up, huh? Rather, right. rather large amounts Speaking to do. Speaking of working, I better get to work with my job here Good and that's point. getting the phone numbers on the air and getting folks to call. In Toronto, uh, reach Charlie Dobbin here at Zoomer Radio at this number, 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty, and anywhere in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Our little mantra goes this way: Call early, call often. One question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, let Sebastian, our operator, know, and I will be informed because just before you get to the air, you'll get your garden wings. I think people are, people are listening. The, yeah. the lines are full. Wow. So let's get right. to some quick announcements because it is that time of year where there's lots going on. Uh, April the 7th. So that'll be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is hosting a meeting at the Toronto Botanical Garden. Plant sale starts at 1230. There's a speaker, uh, at 11 a.m. till noon. And then there's another speaker at 130. So I mean, it's an all day event. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody's welcome. Head on down to the Toronto Botanical Garden for that. Uh, novice, regular, and expert gardeners can join the Agent, Gor- Agent Court Garden Club to learn and share gardening tips. That's Monday, April 8th, 8 p.m. Guest speaker is Carl Koner speaking on grasses in the landscape. It includes a dessert table, you, you'd like that one, mm-hmm. plus coffee and tea, all for a small 
donation of pocket change. Meet at the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd in Toronto. The next day, look at this, there's one every day. Tuesday, April the 9th, the Pickering Hort Society is hosting a visitor night. So this is where the, the doors are open, the arms are open, everyone's welcome to come on in. 7.30 p.m. in the O'Brien Room of Pickering Recreation Centre, which is at 1867 Valley Farm Road in Pickering. The speaker is James Graham. He is so funny. He's really, really, he's a great speaker. He's past president of the Ontario Hort Society. So, you know what, if you just go for James. He's, he's hilarious. That's Tuesday, April the 9th. He's funny. He's knowledgeable. The topic is a walk down the garden path. Special treats for all, no charge, uh, because it is visitor night. The Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is inviting everyone to their meeting on Wednesday. There you go. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, April 10th. Free events as well, 7 p.m. Wildlife in the Garden. Night stalkers and day streakers will be presented oh, well. by <clears throat> Master Gardener Suzanne Zachgard. Zach Kerchik, I think. Refreshments included. Guests welcome. Scarborough Village Recreation Centre, Kingston Road and Markham Road. And then one more. <clears throat> yeah, this is a new one. We've never heard from this group before. The Blenheim Hort Society. They're having a guest speaker for April the 15th. Garden expert and radio personality Terry Dent with her presentation, Gardening Pleasures. It will be a fun, informative night. The meeting is held at Trinity Anglican Church, Monday, April 15th, 7.30 p.m., 59 Ellen Street in Blenheim. That's near Chatham, I do believe. I do believe you're correct. All right. There you go. There we go. Well, we have, as you had indicated, uh, jammed lines here. So great. We'll, we'll attend to that by getting back uh, to have a chat with Peter calling in from Southampton in just a couple of moments here on Zuma Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zuma Radio. Well, here we are, Charlie, on Zoomer Radio as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Let's say hi to Peter online from Southampton. Good morning, Peter. Good morning to Good both of you. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> I have a Annabelle hydrangea. Yeah. And last summer it had beautiful foliage and only one blossom. Mm. I usually cut it down in the fall. But this last fall, I didn't. Okay. And the stems now are about 40 inches long. Right. And uh, there are buds yes. about halfway up oh. on the upper half. Oh, not the, not the lower half, the lower portion? No. Oh, that's weird. Hmm. And um, so how far back do I cut it? Hmm. Okay, and so... If you if you were to cut back to the lowest buds, well, there's pairs of buds, right? So if you cut back to the lowest pair of buds on every branch, how tall would it end up being, roughly? About uh, 20 inches. Hmm. Usually I like to cut lower than that because the thing about Annabelle is it grows so vigorously, particularly if we have a fairly wet season, it gets very tall and very, as soon as it does start to flower, it just keels right over and, you know, sort of lies on the ground, which mm-hmm. we don't Too much really, weight. Yeah, the flowers yeah. are big and heavy. So I'm a big fan of cutting them back as far as you possibly can, but usually we will cut back to new growth. How old is this plant? Is it really old? Uh, yeah, it's, um, let's see, I guess it was about 15 years old. Yeah. Does it get any sun or is it in 
Yes, oh, yeah, gets lost. Oh, gets lost, the And Okay, so hmm. I'd still be inclined to... Okay, so here's what I'd probably do. So, hmm, I'd be inclined to cut it back further than, than having it end up 20 inches tall. I'd like to see it about 9 inches tall at the tallest. Okay. But if you go through and did that and you cut it all back, then you're going to have... It sounds like no buds at all. And okay. so my impulse to make sure that we don't kill the plant in the process would be to do half of the plant back to the lowest possible bud, the other half of the plant back to the eight or nine inches tall. As soon as you start to see some green on the the um, little branches you've cut back the furthest, now get in there with your pruners and cut those taller ones back to equal those shorter ones. Okay. And I think, I think that'll work. I mean, the plant is obviously alive. What you want to do is you want to push some growth lower on the plant. And it, it should, you know, buds should form low on the lower branches for whatever reason they haven't. They're all up at the mm. top of the branches and you just don't want it that tall if you can avoid it. Now, what kind of fertilizer should I use? Um, I'm a pretty big fan of two things. One is top dressing with some kind of good quality organic matter. It could be compost you make yourself. It could be composted manure that you buy from the store. But either way, get a good, you know, sort of half inch all around the plant, just on the surface of the soil, uh, not touching the, the actual branches. I do that preferably on all the gardens uh, in the spring mm-hmm. and or fall. And then it's a, gen- it's a general all-purpose flowering type fertilizer, whatever you've got. Um, again, I love the granular fertilizers, the old kind of feed the chickens. You go out and just scatter <laughs> yeah. it, uh, and then you don't have to worry about doing any more fertilizing after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but spring fertilizing is important for sure. Okay. Okay. Well, good luck now, with that, Peter. <laughs> um, yeah. Next week, I'm going to phone in, Okay. and I'm the topic is going to be... Chinch bugs. Oh, okay. Good to know. Oh, so you're giving me a little homework to do in advance. Way to go, Peter. I had some. <laughs> you sneaky devil, you. Thank you, that's Peter. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Okay. I'll just write that down for next week. Yeah. Peter's going to be the first caller. All right. <laughs> I like that. All righty. Uh, let's get to our next line here coming in from Etobicoke. Marion. Good morning, Marion. Good morning. Um, Charlie, could you please tell me, other than the weight, the difference between, well, not the difference, between topsoil and potting soil. If I take topsoil and add my own compost to it, would that be as good as potting soil in my window boxes? Nope. Okay. Okay. So the the big difference, I know it's a good question, uh, and it has come up in my career for every you know every spring almost. And I always say to people, potting soils for the pots garden soils for the garden. And when we try and take our top soils or garden soils and put them into a container, you're absolutely right. It is a weight issue. The, um, Garden soils are designed to be a, an amendment to an existing soil. They are, they tend to be very heavy. The particle sizes are so small that there's very little, very, not enough air spaces, if you will, between the particles. Oh, okay. Whereas a potting soil or, or a soilless mix, which is the sort of more common uh, container mixes that we're seeing for sale these days, they're, ve- they're very scientifically designed to do a whole bunch of things. And two of the most important things they do is they both retain water, and they provide good drainage, right? So two very important things, because in containers, plants do dry out very quickly. And so we want that retention of water, but then we don't want so much retention of water that we end up just with a a soggy mess in our containers. The reason I ask it gets so expensive Mm -hmm. when you have large window boxes Mm -hmm. with 
you know, you're yeah. potting soil. But I guess if you want the flowers, then that's what you do. Well, and do you have like lots and lots of, of boxes or are they just very big boxes? They're not that many, but they are large. They take quite a bit of soil, How which you... I, I replace every year. Now, you don't need to do that, you know. You oh, ca- you can. Well, there's a help. Yeah, I mean, I reuse my potting soil all the time, year after year. The only thing, the reason why I wouldn't reuse it would be if the neighborhood cats were using that as their <laughs> kitty litter box. Okay. Uh, oh, otherwise, super, and just amend it. Exactly. Just amend. Yeah. Add some fresh, like, get down, once it's all thawed, get down with your trowel, pull out all the dead roots and things that are in there, and gotcha. get some fresh uh, potting mix in there. Get some, I use the slow release fertilizer so it looks like fish eggs you know it's a and you put in the amount of fertilizer based on the size of the container read the directions mix that into the top few inches plant in your plants and you're good to go hey oh wonderful well thank you very much now isn't that neat charlie saved you a whole whack of money there (laughs) (laughs) good stuff tell my husband that thank you bye-bye thanks for calling me have a great weekend thanks for uh, bye-bye bye-bye now (laughs) Uh, imagine all the soil suppliers i'm just disappointed yeah yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you killed that sale. But you don't, mm. yeah, you don't have to buy new. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if for some reason it's contaminated, I get it. But but there's nothing wrong yeah. with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got a little break coming up here, so I better remind folks of the phone numbers. Uh, we've got a couple of lines open. Well, just about. Uh, let's see. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. And then anywhere in the province, toll free, one 866 740 4740, Charlie Dobbin on the air here from Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, i got to tell you, folks, that both Charlie and I looked at the monitor here in our studio and saw <laughs> Hazel in Mississauga. I wonder, is Hazel McCallion? Well, let's, <laughs> let's find out. Maybe not. Hello, Hazel. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. And no, I'm not Italian. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually from Barbados. Uh, oh, well, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I have called before, but... Um, uh, I apologize, my question is out of season. I had sent you an email about it, but I hadn't heard back. So anyway, my question is about an amaryllis bulb, mm-hmm. which I had around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, it started to, um, the flower stem started to grow, but then it keeled over and died. Mm-hmm. Um, I cut that off and the leaves grew two feet tall mm-hmm. and I cut those back. My question is, um, can I save that bulb and will it bloom again or should I just throw it out? It's probably best at this point to throw it out because you cut the leaves off. If you had left, sometimes, yeah, unfortunately the flower didn't make it this year, but you do need to allow those leaves to grow as preferably through the winter, through the spring and the summer as big it does become a fairly large plant i usually take mine outside as soon as we're frost free leave them in the pot just stick them in the east side of the house where they're getting mm-hmm. you know a little bit of morning sun and water them as necessary all summer and yeah they they get big but those green leaves are photosynthesizing creating manufacturing carbohydrates to fatten up the bulb so that flower a flower or more more than one flower maybe will be formed 
after it's had that dormant period. So it does need that eight to 10 weeks of dormancy. We usually impose that at the end of the summer by stopping watering and just putting it in a dark corner and forgetting about it for two months or so. By that time, all the leaves are yellow and we bring it out of the, the corner and sit it in a sunny spot, water it once, and the flower stem should shoot right up at that point. So, sorry, so if that happens again, uh, I've been successful for several years, mm-hmm. but this just happened this mm-hmm. this last Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, the leaves got to be almost two feet mm-hmm. tall and then they fell over. Yeah. Well. And so I thought, oh, I guess I should cut them. Okay. Well, is there any growth on it at all right now? Has it tried to put out more leaves? Yes. Okay, and you've left those? Are they growing? Yes. Oh, so then, you know, all I would do is say keep it in a you know sunny spot in your house for now and expect that it could send out two-foot leaves again, uh, which is, it's just an indication of the maturity of the bulb. It must be a fairly old bulb, so it's just got that big of leaves, but big leaves are good because it's that much more photosynthesis. Mm. So just, if you can be patient with it, let it be uh, whatever it is, not very good looking, unfortunately, uh, for now, get it outside when you can uh, for the summer and then stop watering at the end of the summer. Will the leaves come back to life? Well, if there's green leaves on it now, then they, there is life. But I mean, when they fall over, they got they oh, got so oh, tall, they fell over. Yeah, well, but they they flop and they will get a bend in them, and they'll sl- eventually die because of that bend. Right. But more leaves will come. Like it's it's just a process for the plant. It's okay. going to shoot out more leaves as long as it's got energy in the bulb to do so. Okay. Okay. Thank, Thank you, Hazel. You. Thanks for calling. Have a wonderful weekend, and thank you for tuning our way here on Zoomer Radio. And let, mm-hmm. Amaryllis, we love them so much yeah. when they bloom, but they do. They can be a bit challenging in between times, and I'm sorry that Hazel's flower stem fell over like that. But you know what I learned, and I've seen this happen before. A flower on an amaryllis, it's a it's a hollow stem, right, mm-hmm. and big petals up yeah, on top. Yeah. So they can be very top-heavy. If it does fall over, if it does get too top-heavy... Cut it off, and that flower lasts longer as a cut flower oh, in a vase, it in a vase and water than and it does attached huh? to the plant. Okay. Uh, in Dunville, there is uh, Chris on the line. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Hey, good, thank Excellent. you. Excellent. question for you, uh, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a 30-year-old lilac bush. Can't mm-hmm. tell you the name of it, but it's the, you know, the old standard purple. I got it from it- a along the road years ago uh-huh. and uh but now the branches on it they're over a, an inch and i've got an awful lot of growth coming underneath and it's about 25 30 feet around the base now huh. and uh i got all these little pieces coming up yeah, suckers from the root yeah yeah and uh i was wondering is there i got quite a bit of triple 15 uh, fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Would that help if I threw a few handfuls in there? You, and can I, uh, that stuff that's coming up, mm-hmm. would that, uh, if I gave it a major haircut, it seems to be less and less blooms every year. Mm. Uh, on the, the main one or on any of them? Well, like I can't get in at the, the ones that are, are growing up, but uh-huh. the, uh, like the, the main, yeah. the main beams are getting pretty fairly high and uh, less blooms on them after they bloom this year what would you recommend and the fertilizer part could i throw it on now 
You can do the fertilizer now, uh, keeping in mind that you're going to encourage more and more growth. All the little ones that are coming up, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as you're okay with the idea of what started as a single lilac shrub becoming a lilac forest, and you've got the <laughs> space for that, yeah. then then you could definitely go for it. I mean, that's how it works, right? All the old farmsteads, whenever you drive, if there hasn't been a lot of interference, it always started with one lilac, and before you know it, it's a complete hedge that all started with that one. And those are suckers coming off the root, right? Right. So to encourage flowering on the new little guys, you need to get as much sunlight in there as you can. So I'd be a little bit selective. I'd go through and I probably would remove some of them, particularly some the ones... Some of the big guys or... Well, it... Properly, yes. To properly prune a lilac, we take out the oldest growth first and encourage new growth. Now, once they're uh, an inch across, uh, it can be quite a stressful thing on the plant to do that. But it, it you know, depending on the shape shape of the plant and the oh, like it's a, it's uh, actually got uh, like a, a nice. Uh, uh, shape to it that's Form, in the center yeah. of the yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just wondering if I was to butcher it, it'd take probably take three or four years for it to flower again, wouldn't it? Not necessarily, because remember the way lilacs work. The new growth that grows on your lilac this summer and fall is where the flower buds will form, because lilac flower buds form in the fall. So they are on the plant all winter, and then come spring, given the right conditions, those buds flower and open up and flower. So um, it's new growth, it's healthy new growth that ends up with flower buds on it. But the conditions, of course, are as much sun as you can give. Oh, it's uh, right in the center of the yard to get the sun constantly. Yeah, and nutrient, like you pointed out. And, of course, spring is in the air, so we want to fertilize all our, our garden plants, our flowers, our trees, our shrubs. Everybody should be fed in the spring. That triple, uh, triple 15 would work pretty good yeah, on everything. Yeah, it's, it's a very all-purpose when it's a balanced fertilizer like that. So, absolutely, you could definitely use that on, on any of your garden plants. But, um, yeah, the butchering part is a bit challenging because when plants are as old as 30 years old, the butchering can sometimes shock them so much that they die. Oh, so, yeah. so you could lose the main mother plant, if you will, but of course you would still have all the young ones coming up. And that would take a while for it to flower again. Well, not necessarily. Depending on the size of them, uh, you might find that you would have blooms next year. Yeah, a lot of the suckers, they're only you know, maybe a quarter of an inch or so that's coming right. up. Yeah, but, you know, they are a very vigorous plant. Like, that is just a wild type of, of um, oh, yeah. lilac. So I would expect, if not flowers, next spring, then for sure the following spring. Okay, Chris, we've got to kind of move along. Uh, but bless your heart for yeah, calling Yeah, thanks in. for calling. Yeah, interesting call there. Yeah. Um, hey, Hamilton, my gosh, look at that. Carol is on the line. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Excellent. How's things at your place? I have a problem with crabgrass. Mm -hmm. Your timing is good to call. Pardon? (laughs) Your timing is good for calling. I know that. I know I have to do something this week or next week. All right. Yeah. Yep. Sooner is better than later. What? um, So you're in Hamilton. How is got a lot of lawn, or how big is your property? No, the property is only fifty feet, and there's about forty feet of lawn that goes back six feet. Mm -hmm. That every year I'm getting more and more Mm -hmm. crabgrass. I started out by digging them out, Mm -hmm. and. I know over the years I've heard you talk about something. Yeah. And I thought you said it was a living organism. 
No, it's actually a byproduct of the corn industry. It's called oh. cor- corn gluten. Yeah, I went so, online and saw that. Yeah, and corn gluten, it was, it's, it's kind of a funny story. It, there's a lot, it was in the States. It was actually the University of Ohio where they have a large agriculture division and department. Corn is a huge commodity grown in the United States and it's grown for corn oil and corn syrup and corn this, that, and the other thing, corn meal, corn flour. One of the byproducts is corn gluten. So, Uh so the challenge to the agricultural researchers was, I wonder if we could come up with a use for corn gluten in, in the landscape because Mm -hmm. it's just piling up all over the place here. It's not being used for anything. It's just, you know, so they said, okay, let's try it as an amendment, as a soil amendment. It's, it's organic. There's nothing wrong with it. Let's try mixing it in with some potting soils and try growing some stuff. And what they discovered just by absolute serendipity was that when you incorporate corn gluten into the soil and you try and germinate a seed, any seed whatsoever, it will not grow. However, when you incorporate corn gluten into the soil and you put in a a plant a plant, it grows just fine. It loves it. It's all good. So corn gluten is able to uh, limit seeds from germinating. So that's the that's what you want to do. You want to kill the seeds. Right? That's right. You, and that's what crabgrass is all about. Crabgrass, uh. the plants died in the winter, but okay. before they died, each plant ejected as much as sixty thousand seeds. Oh, those oh, little devils! You. Yeah. So all you need is one plant, and you can have, and it <laughs> dies, and now you got sixty thousand little seedlings coming up in the spring. I guess that's why you don't have any crabgrass until July. Well, you don't see it. It's there. Yeah. You're not yeah. seeing it though, yeah. and it's really obvious come July and August. So that's why if you get you you can buy lawn fertilizer with corn gluten in it. It'll say right on it, crabgrass preventer or something mm-hmm. like, or corn gluten included, something like that. Uh, and certainly I know Scott's makes one under the turf builder name. You follow the instructions in terms of the uh, application of it and you get it onto your lawn today or anytime in before the forsythia are in full bloom. Got so it. not sure what's going on in Hamilton right now. They're not even showing any yellow here in Toronto yet. Hey, listen, everything's blooming in Hamilton. Oh, there you really? go. How about you, that? You're the new banana belt of, of <laughs> Ontario. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> I know. Well, it's been so cold, but you know, we've got three or four days of really warm weather coming. So a bunch of things are going to start happening. Hey, listen, so, Charlie, I went to a garden center yesterday and bought some potted Pansies. Nice. I'm hosting Easter. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you today go. and tomorrow, I'm thinking I'm doing my deck in my front patio, yeah. my front. Yeah, get outside. Sure, it's gorgeous. You think they'll one day next week? It says it's going to be three and two. Oh, the pansies are fine. Don't worry, they're fine. Pansies are so tough. Yeah. They, they even if they get frost, they'll just perk right up again when the sun comes up. So don't worry about pansies, yeah. but get a hold of the crab, the crabgrass preventer fertilizer. Don't have to get it on the lawn today, but certainly within the next two to three weeks. It's funny. Uh, Shirley was mentioning yesterday that Vince is one of the neat little uh, stores in, in uh, Newmarket mm-hmm. that the uh, truck was delivering pansies yesterday. Yeah. She was all excited about that. I, oh, the pansies, pansies are, are here. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think I told you, I've just put my yeah. house on the market. So I was out last weekend doing just that, shopping for pansies uh, to put together a nice, big, beautiful planter at my front door, which I haven't yet planted. But um, but yeah, I was at Terra Greenhouses picking up uh, okay. and they had great selection. Good. Well, as we say goodbye to uh, Carol there in Hamilton. We're going to stay in Hamilton, actually, mm-hmm. and receive a, a call from first-time caller, John. Mm-hmm. We have to take a little bit of a break first, but uh, Charlie and I shall return momentarily here on The Garden Show. Don't 
change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie just witnessed me reaching for the bell. Just a second here. Oh, that's first time caller for John in Hamilton. Hi, John. Hello, John. Oh, it's Joan. Oh, Joan. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got John on the screen here. Okay. Uh, sorry. That's Welcome, right. Joan. No, I thought you were looking for a mail, so I didn't answer. <laughs> oh, of course. No. Yes, I'm, I'm calling about my raspberry cane. I have two rows in my garden, and I cut the brown um, cane back in the fall, and I just put leaves around the, the cane in the, for the winter, Yeah. tied them up. Now I want to know, is it too, time to pull the leaves off? Hmm, in Hamilton, yeah, it could be. Yeah. You, do, you do want to ensure that the canes are not uh, being touched by anything that's, you know, holding a lot of moisture. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you can pull the leaves away from the base of the canes, but leave the leaves in the general area, I'm, I'm a big fan of leaving leaves on the garden as much as we can. Yes. Um, just because they, as they break down, they add all kinds of great nutrients and the raspberries would appreciate that. Okay. But is it time? So I can just leave, I don't need yeah. to compost them in a, a composter. Just no, pull, yeah. them, pull them back and let them rot around the, exactly. Around the cane. Exactly. exactly. Now, what would I fertilize them with? Well, um, raspberries, of course, we want them to flower. We want to get delicious fruit. Yeah. So generally, we think in terms of a flowering plant fertilizer. But if you have just a balanced 20-20-20 on hand, I would use that. Okay. I'm not a big fan of us buying fertilizers for every single different plant. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making everybody angry that's a fertilizer and okay. soil supplier right now. But, you know, there's clematis food and lawn food and tomato food and you okay. know yeah. raspberry food i avoid all that just get a flowering plant fertilizer like a 10 15 10 or 15 30 15 okay. or a balanced a 777 10 10 10 something like that yes okay. okay and follow the instructions okay is it too early to put in a rhubarb root i just bought one Probably not. If you're, the soil is likely thawed in yeah. Hamilton if it's a sunny spot. Yeah. So absolutely, I mean, rhubarb's tough. You can get that in the ground anytime. Yes. Okay. All right. Just okay. be careful if your soil, where you're going out into the garden, if it's very, very moist, okay. we try to stay off the garden and off the lawn until some of the moisture has gone out of the soil. Just mm-hmm. we want to avoid compaction. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. okay. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Thanks Thank so you, much. Joan. Don't be day. a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> that was very sneaky, actually. I was going to say, too, you were super well, calm there. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you're like half asleep or something. Two fruit-related questions. I thought, <laughs> oh, she's very clever, you know. She <laughs> not you, only talked about leaves. She talked about fertilizing. <laughs> yeah. She talked about Son of a gun. rhubarb. Uh, yeah, sometimes, you know. Sleep at the wheel, my friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Doug in Toronto, good morning and welcome to the Garden Show. <laughs> Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, um, it's time to uh, spring clean up outside. Yep. I have all these lovely uh, partially uh, uh, leaves and everything that have uh, started to rot and things like that. Yep. And I was wondering two things. Um, if I dig up my pots that are in the ground now, I have a big hole. Uh-huh. Can I just fill that hole with as many of those leaves, water them down, and then put the soil back in? Absolutely. Makes wonderful leaf litter. Okay, so, and, and the other thing, it's not too early to start uh, taking all the leaves off the, uh, the lawns right now. Oh, off the lawns, for sure. You want to get, if, again, as I mentioned to Joan, just be careful about walking on the lawn if it's at all soggy. But our lawns are going to need a nice raking to just to get out. 
debris, um, snow mold, just, you know, any leaves that spent the winter on top of our lawns need to be removed because the lawn will be dead beneath there. So you need to get the air, the sun, the circulation. We need to get our, our lawns are going to be much happier once we can clean them up a bit. But so you, we, just, we just take all those leaves and amend the soil with them, dig them in. And, yeah, uh, you, I leave them. Them, yeah, I pretty much leave them on the surface of the soil. I'll let the worms do the work. I'm so lazy when it comes to this stuff. I just, you know, I'll get the leaves into the garden uh, back in the fall, preferably chopped up with the lawnmower because mm-hmm. the smaller the size, the faster they're going to decompose. Um, then it's just a matter of waiting till the spring and you can't, you know where things are. Like you, you know where your shrubs are because you can see them, but things like hostas or any of the, the, um, perennials that are below ground, but going to start poking up through the ground. You need to move the leaves aside for that to happen effectively. But I still leave the leaves on the garden. I just move them around a bit, make it easy for the, mm-hmm. the, the dormant plants to emerge. Okay. Thank you very much. You're All welcome. right, Doug. Thanks for joining us. And have a wonderful weekend, keeping it tuned right here, of course, it's, to Zoomer Radio. It's great. You can tell yeah. the, the weather has changed. Oh, boy, People has are keen and ready to go. Yeah. You can hear their engines just revving, <laughs> eh, the people that All are right. calling. I'm hearing a motor starting up in Cambridge. Hey, there's Lorraine. <laughs> Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, before I ask my question, I have a little comment. I have a small lawn, a smallish front. I don't have a lawn. Uh. About 40 by 40, and on it I have um, sugar maple, two spruces, a cedar bush, a yew bu- two u bushes, a wild rose that feeds the birds, and rocks and nice. ground covers and sounds like a little forest. What I've noticed over the years how much children appreciate my uh-huh. lawn. They stop, yeah. they look, they t- and they even st- little older children will say, oh, "I like your front lawn." Yeah, oh, isn't that so nice? what happens to children? We civilize them to <laughs> I know. plain green lawns. I know. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Like the children, the smaller children will slow down because it'll be so different. And then yes. it sounds like you've got a whole little ecosystem going on there. I with, do. With, you know, birds and, and bees and, and flowers and trees, the whole thing. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, um, what my question is really not related to this area, but, um, what is meant by live oak? Are they not all of others are dead? <laughs> live oak. Oh, I don't, in, in what? In, in um in the Carolinas, they have they talk they refer to live oak. Uh, you know what? Good question. Oh, okay. Uh, I have I have been to the Carolinas, but not in many many years. So I let me let me get back to you on that. Um, sure. Because it uh, it could be it's a specific variety because they do have lots of oaks yeah. and they also have all the the mosses and things that hang in the oaks. Right. Right. So um yeah let me let me uh, get back to you on that. Okay, thanks so much. All right. Thank you, Lorraine, giving you more homework for uh, Charlie, <laughs> just just what she wants. Of course. Hey, Frank and Ancaster, welcome to the show. Good morning. Uh, I have a twofold question, if you don't mind. Firstly, is my uh, hydrangea. Mm-hmm. I've uh, had a, a difficult uh, time in the last couple of years, but I'm uh, created cardinal sin. You know what? I trimmed it too low at one point. Mm-hmm. But I've got that uh, advice taken care of. But the other part is, I, I'd like to get the, the appropriate um, fertilization. I was told that I should go high nitro now, and the middle number, I think it's phosphorus, uh, later. I, I got to get that straight. Could, would you mind um, advising me as to what I should do in that regard with regard to fertilizing at this point? And that's specifically the hydrangea or just the garden in general? Uh, well, the hydrangea. Okay. So, mm-hmm. again, the hydrangea, if if you, I guess, depending on which hydrangea you have. It's uh, the... Uh, um, is it the Annabelle? 
Annabelle. Yeah, so the white flowers, round white flowers. And they'll typically start blooming in July sometime and continue to bloom through August and September. And we... I'm sorry, it's not the Annabelle. I I, I usually put... um, uh, they they come up pink. I put I, I put acid in. They get blue. And oh, okay. That one. Okay. So yeah. So it it is the same um, species in the sense that it's what we call right. commonly uh-huh. called a mop head. It's got the round flowers, um, big leaves. It's actually hydrangea macrophylla, meaning big leaves. So it's got uh-huh. big leaves and round flowers. They typically won't grow more than a meter tall, but you can modify the color with the use of high acid or high alkali to go pink or to go purple or blue even, Uh which is very fun. Um, I would not put a lot of high nitrogen fertilizer on that form of hydrangea because you will get an awful lot of leaves and you may not get any flowers whatsoever. Mm, I would... Glad I asked. Uh Yeah. And if you do like the blue or the purple, uh, when you, what do you usually use to acidify? Do you use like a soil acidifier or or aluminum sulfate or something? You said it. Aluminum sulfate is what I sprinkled down into the roots and spread it around and I water it in if I can. Okay. Mm. All right. Um, so you should, could uh, be doing that anytime in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Good idea. Uh-huh. And but you the, may even have to ge- do it again. General fertilization. Mm. Need be, if I may ask, should I fertilize or not? Uh, well, uh, all of our garden plants love a little sh- sort of shot in the arm in the spring because they're mm-hmm. waking up and they've, they have, if they were healthy last year, it comes down to the health of our plants last year before they went dormant. If they were in good condition, they've stored lots of great carbohydrates, lots of energy is in the root. As mm-hmm. the temperatures warm up, the days get longer, the soil warms up, all that carbohydrate will move from the roots up into the stems making it possible for the plants to grow leaves and flowers, etc. Mm-hmm. When you fertilize, you're supporting that process. And that's why in the spring, it, it is like a shot in the arm to the plants. I put uh, the leaves from the garden area, I'll mm-hmm. pile them up into the roots in the fall. So maybe yeah. that's giving me oh. as much as I need. Oh, yeah. Sure. No, that's definitely brilliant because the leaves are full of the same stuff that's in the package. All the, uh-huh. the nitrogen, Good. the phosphorus, uh-huh. the potassium, all the important elements. Um, the only time when fertilizer can become super important is when we get into the really um, nerdy, tiny, tiny, what we call the trace elements or the micronutrients Mm -hmm. and our leaves might not necessarily have exactly what is required so there are there there's micro and macronutrients 16 of them are absolutely required and so to have them all available to the plant is the only limiting factor but if your garden looks good your plants look healthy they're growing well you're good to go i wouldn't be at all concerned frank i'm just i'm looking for blooms again yeah well blooms phosphorus is going to encourage blooms. so bone meal or a flowering plant fertilizer Okay, Frank, I'm sorry, we're kind of pushed for time here, uh, and I have to move along to uh, our next spot break. But uh, thank you for calling in, and look forward to a call next uh, next week from and you, okay? I think Frank will be yep. a good person. He might want to enroll in one of my courses, because I can teach him all about fertilizers. <laughs> there you go. Okay, old friend Werner from uh, oh, Tilsonburg good. is on the line. We'll be to him momentarily. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, Charlie, let's find out what's going on in Tilsonburg through the eyes of Werner. Good morning, (laughs) Werner. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? You're both looking well. You're ready well, thank to you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, we haven't heard, from you, haven't heard from you all winter. What's going on? <laughs> well, I got a question about rhubarb. Uh-huh. Uh, is there different kinds? Yeah. I'd like to uh, 
plant one, you can't seed them, can you? Um, theoretically, it takes, but... It takes too long. Yeah, it takes too long. So, I buy a rhubarb plant. Yeah. What kind would you suggest? Okay, so the one that people usually like the most is the one with the red stems, as opposed to green stems. Red? And, yeah, they're red. And I'm pretty sure it's called Victoria. I'm just looking it up here. Victoria? Yeah. Does that sound right? Have, have you looked for them for sale? Have you been out to the garden center? Pardon? Have you been out looking for No, rhubarb? no. I thought I'd check in with you first oh. before I make a mistake. <laughs> okay. There is one called Victoria, Victoria Rhubarb. Uh, it mm-hmm. is one of the more popular ones because, like I said, it's got the red stems. So it's just, it's pretty when you're baking with it or making whatever jams mm-hmm. and jellies. It's not just green, kind of an insipid green. It's got that nice rosy red redness to it. And I think you'll find it's probably one of the more popular ones. So if you find rhubarb for sale, chances are it will be the Victoria. Okay. Okay. Good luck with that, Werner. And and, uh, I can do that now, right? Well, where you are, it probably is well thawed, that soil. So if you can get a hold of a a rhubarb and just stay off the, the, out of the gardens and off the lawns if it's too soggy, but otherwise, absolutely go for it. Okay. Okay. All right. Ooh, Thanks for your call. Pie I know. Up. Well, we're, we're going to have to swing by his garden because he's, the, yeah. he's got tomatoes coming oh, out of his ears. Absolutely. So we can maybe pick up some pie at the same time. <laughs> hey, in Mississauga, there is Diana, first-time caller. Oh, nice. Welcome to the show, Diana. Hi. How are you guys? Excellent. Good, Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for the show. This is the most fabulous show, I have to say, and I want, hope it keeps going and going forever because it's getting me through this miserable winter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I have one little problem. I like to start my seeds early, and this year I decided I was going to try some uh, perennials. So I put in some delphiniums and some lupins, mm-hmm. and I try to grow organically as much mm-hmm. as possible. And because I didn't want to disturb the roots of those plants, I put them in those little cell packs that are kind of like paper mache or whatever they are. Yeah, or peat, usually a core. Yeah, well, no, they're actually papery. They're like, you know, uh, like an egg carton box. Right, so they're designed to be planted with the plants. And that's a really good idea with lupins. Lupins are very hard to transplant. Yeah, so now they're getting a little bit, you know, starting to get their second set of leaves and whatever, and I see some of them are getting like a a mold almost on the, or like a mildew mold on the outside of the carton. Am I, is there a problem there? How can I fix that or am I going to lose those? Is it like a green growth on the outside of the, the containers? No, it's white. Oh, it's white. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what I would do, number one, you've got them in a window or you've got a light over top I of them? I have a grow light on them. Okay. Yeah. And one of the best things we can do when we start seeds at home is, it, do you have a, like a small fan that you could turn a fan on to get some air movement? Okay, I and, can try that. And it, and you basically want to direct the fan at the at your containers where your seeds are growing for two reasons. One is the air circulation will keep down any spores that might be flying around because it's very common and normal to have fungal growth in soils, even soilless mixes. So that'll slow down the growth of any of the, the molds and mildews. And number two, it toughens up the plants. Even even if you don't have a fan, we always say like pet your your seedlings. I like, do do that. Yeah. I stroke them. <laughs> exactly. Stroke them because it's one of the best things you can do. The, the stems are much stronger as a, as a result and they do um, do better when you take them outside. So a fan will help. Be careful with your watering, obviously. You, don't, you want to water to, you know, when they're dry. But if they're at that second leaf stage, consider letting them maybe dry down a little more between waterings. Water thoroughly when you do, but let them really dry down a little more. Don't keep them constantly moist. 
Oh, okay. Do you reckon that I'm going to lose them or they'll be okay? Just keep going. Keep going. Um, it's hard to say. I think it's just one of those things that there, there's, like I said, it's very normal to have molds and mildews grow in moist media. And that's what you've got going on there. If, it, if there's more break between all the, the moisture, you'll have less. That's all. And, and mildews and molds can kill plants for sure. So you're just looking to try and minimize what's going on in terms of the fungal growth. All right. Okay. Let Gosh. us know how that works, Diana. Happy to hear hear from you in a week or two when you're outside planting. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe Boy, a month or two. We are <laughs> literally on a racetrack. Here. We sure are. Boy, yeah. that was a busy show. Was it ever? It went really fast. <laughs> which leads us to breakfast, which I can't wait to get. At. I'm, I'm hungry. Starved. But you're back yeah. doing another show after yeah, breakfast from one to three thirty. Right. the city. Nice. So you got lots of good things planned. I hope so. <laughs> well, there's lots going on in the city as Boy, the weather yeah. improves. There's going to be a lot of action. So thanks, everybody. Great calls. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.